You're listening to The Life of a Cheerleading Coach. I'm your host, Marley Sievers, with five years of high school coaching experience, seven years of experience as a choreographer and head instructor for the National Cheerleaders Association, and over a decade in the cheerleading industry. Join me as we navigate through the world of high school coaching together. Here we go. This episode is brought to you by the Cheer Coach Planner. Are you ready to replace your bulky coach binder? If so, then you should check out the Cheer Coach Planner. Designed specifically for cheerleading coaches, the Cheer Coach Planner helps you to simplify the administrative side of coaching through the use of planning and organization. Inside, you'll find over 250 pages, including 12 undated monthly calendars, daily life and practice planners, a team section full of forms to help you keep track of everything specific to your team, like rosters, absences, and athlete profiles, and a season section full of forms to help you keep track of everything related to your season, like tryouts, fundraising, game days, pep rallies, and competitions. With a physical planner, digital planner options, and new planners for your captains, you're bound to find an option that works for you. Check them out at cheercoachplanner.com or visit the link in my show notes. The Cheer Coach Planner, your season, your plan. I am here with Teresa Benicky, also known as Coach TJ, who is the owner and founder of Streamline Cheer in Minnesota. TJ, tell the listeners about your experience with cheerleading and coaching. Yeah, so my experience with cheerleading started really early. I have a brother who's much older than myself, so he joined our high school team, and I was the little pipsqueak that went to all of his games and hung out with all the cheerleaders and just loved everything. I could not wait to be in his shoes, and then I got to eighth grade, and I was finally able to join, and the whole team like disbanded and like completely just shut down, and I was devastated. And so I was not able to cheer throughout school or high school. And I'm from the middle of rural Minnesota. Like we could not, we didn't have a gym or anywhere else near us that I could go to. Mm-hmm. So I decided my senior year of high school that college would be a fresh start for me. I could do anything I set my mind to. And I started self-training at 17. I found a gymnastics gym that wasn't too far away that did tumbling classes. And I started going to those being like by far the oldest kid (laughs) in that class. But I was old enough to like understand really what the coaches were sharing with me to be able to help out my younger teammates. And kind of like through that experience, the owner offered me a job. She saw a lot of value in the way that I was also helping teach with the other coaches Mm -hmm. and sharing how I was learning with the other kids. So if I was able to take something a coach was telling me and like reframe it in my brain to work with me, I could output it as like another way to explain it to these kids. Mm -hmm. So then that gave me a really big opportunity to kind of like coach, like train myself after hours. So that's kind of how I got started with just learning the cheer experience. And then uh, in that gym also, there was another local high school team whose cheerleaders did a lot of the coaching for their young little itty bitty classes. Mm -hmm. So they taught me stunting in like the off time. So I just kind of like happenstanced into this fantastic little petri dish of cheer development. (laughs) (laughs) And I just kind of like kept doing that. I did that for about 18 months, finding open gyms where I could, making as many friends as I could to help teach me new things. Mm -hmm. And I I finally decided on a 
college program that I wanted to go to going into my sophomore year. And I tried out for the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee's cheer team. It was a two-day full weekend experience. It was absolutely terrifying. There was like cuts made throughout the days. Mm-hmm. And I I made the team. I was so shocked and surprised with myself. But so that's how I got into cheerleading. And I spent three years cheering college cheer at UW-Milwaukee. And mm-hmm. we went to NCAA Nationals two of those years. And I kind of just hopped into coaching after that. Uh, it's much less exciting of a story, honestly, but <laughs> that's how I got into cheer. That's awesome. That's not very traditional, but I love that you're so passionate about it that you just kept going, you know? Yeah, exactly. So you said you got into coaching. How long have you been coaching now? Really only about two or three years. I started coaching right before I started Streamline Cheer. So January of 21. So it's only been about two years or so. I had been a couple years into my big girl job by then and just really missing the sport and wanting to find a way to get back into it. And my husband's boss owned an all-star gym nearby. So I'm like, hey, does she need help? I would love to help. (laughs) Yeah, she brought me right on. And I uh, that passion just refueled right back up. And I saw a lot of things that the cheerleading industry needed help with and Streamline Cheer was born three months later. What are the key skills to have when you're working as a coach? I think this is such an excellent question. I think there's a couple of big things. I think that patience is such a big one. And like taking a breath, really just taking your time with the athletes, like they're going through all of the things that you you never know that they're going through and just like being that calming sounding board for them. Mm-hmm. I think also preparation is huge. Like you have to be able to have the foresight to think going into your games or your competition and what do you want that to look like and working backwards for how are we going to get there and be successful. And I also think that keeping like the big picture vision like in your brain and remembering like why you're there and yeah, this might be a hard practice, but how is this getting up? us where we want to go. Like, why is this hard practice going to be valuable to us? But also like, how can we stay positive and make this a good experience, even though it is a hard practice and just kind of like living in that adaptability phase of adjusting to getting to that big picture and dealing with the athletes that need a little extra attention and making the quick changes when people don't show up or are sick or whatever else happens. So that's, those are some of the things that I think really make a coach a good coach, kind of what we need to be a coach. I mean, obviously, there's a ton of attributes right. I would give to coaches, but those are a few I have off the top of my head. Yeah, I love those. Those are all great ones. What has been your favorite thing about coaching so far? I just I love seeing my athletes every day. Mm-hmm. They just they come in with such fun little positive attitudes and they're bouncing all over the place. And I, so I coach anywhere from, I coach six to 18 years old. I have three teams that I'm head coaching right now. And so just seeing them at their own little developmental stages and they're just, they're, they're having so much fun and like the world does not exist to them (laughs) in the way that it, it exists to us adults. And it's just so, it's a different perspective on life when you're in the gym with those kids. Yeah. What's been the best experience you've had as a coach? I think the best experience I've had so far, and I think I think there's two. I think there's two best experiences I've had so far. The first one of my first all-star cheer competition as a coach, I was coaching level one youth. So they were six to 12 years old. 
Mm-hmm. And it was my first competition as a head coach with this team. And I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with All Star, but it is usually in this very dark room with big stage lights and a big stage and lots of people. And it's glitzy, clammy, and all of these things. So it's super high energy situation. Yeah. And I remember them hitting zero through their routine and just being the cutest little things ever to nail their routine. And I come off of the front of the stage to meet them after their performance and giving them hugs and telling them a good job. And all of a sudden I just started like bawling. I was so proud of them. Like I could not believe that I got to witness this Mm -hmm. accomplishment that these little, little athletes had just made happen. And I was, I was just over the moon. And then my second one was we had a two day competition and we have a couple of crossovers. So we have some that are on one team that also cheered with my team Mm -hmm. and the crossovers on the other team had gotten hurt during the performance right before my team was supposed to go on. And we had to rework the routine within like half an hour. And some of our athletes don't do a whole lot. Like we really take everybody, um, especially in that level one area. And so we had to like teach them how to do things like within that half an hour and Mm -hmm. move people around and be like, can you do this? Like, we need to know if you can do this. We have to water things down, change it, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And they all, again, the same age group, six to 12. So they're little, their attention spans aren't huge. Like (laughs) their information processing isn't huge. Like, But they focused in, they paid attention, they were so positive to each other. Like a couple of the girls got frustrated and they're like, you've got this, you can do it. Like, keep it up, come on. And it was a really stressful two-day comp. Like it's the first, like day one, they did not very good. So going into day two, they were stressed out already and they went out and they hit zero and nailed their routine and everybody did a great job and knew what their changes were. And it's just like, it's such it's a proud coach moment because you've prepared them to be adaptable and positive with each other and understanding somebody else's position well enough to take it over in that last minute situation. And a lot of times you don't even realize that you've taught them that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like a byproduct of the things that you've been going through and talking with them with throughout the whole season. So those are de- those are definitely my two favorite coaching moments so far. Those sound super rewarding. Like I love moments. I mean, nobody likes stressful situations and having to rearrange routines right before you go out. But I love moments where you can really see your athlete's resilience. And that's, that's the most rewarding. Absolutely. What has been your most challenging experience as a coach? So I'm still pretty new to coaching. I've only had about about two years in. I like to see everything as kind of an opportunity. I try not to see it too much as a challenge. I prefer to see it as like an opportunity or a puzzle to be solved. But taking on my older teams this year, I've started to kind of come into this lovely teenage dynamic mm-hmm. with these athletes and athletes who have been in all-star cheer for a number of years or been at a couple of different gyms and parents who have opinions on what they think things should be like. And so I've, I've been running, I've run into a couple of issues where everything seems fine and dandy. And then I get like these text messages from parents that like, Hey, my kid's not happy. And like, doesn't feel that this is helpful or that you guys are setting them up for failure or, you know, whatever the case may be. And 
then they come to practice the next day and it's like nothing ever happened and everything's fine. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to, what to do with this. Cause like, <laughs> right. it's okay. If you don't like me, that's totally cool. I get that. Like everybody's entitled to their opinion and it's okay. If you do like me, that's fantastic. But I don't know how to do this. Are we on the same page? Are we not on the same page thing? So that's actually, it's uh, something that's going on this season. So it's something I've still been trying to navigate yeah. and really how I've been trying to handle that is just like the open, open communication as much as possible. And it's like, if we need to have a conversation about this, like, let's have a conversation about this. And if you think something isn't right, or that I'm not treating your athlete right, or if you have a question, like, let's be specific about what that is so that Mm -hmm. I can make adjustments. If that's what needs to happen, I would be more than happy to do that. I just need to know what's going on. (laughs) So it's like that not knowing and like that vagueness of just like, we're not happy, but we're not going to tell you why. (laughs) Oh, gosh, that's so stressful. Like parents in general, I feel like are my biggest hurdle. But I think that, you know, like you said, dealing with it as openly communication wise as possible is really going to help. So, yeah, absolutely. And especially like that older teenage group, they're able to have those conversations like with me also like you're able to communicate your feelings like your thoughts like you are a fully formed human being like let's have a conversation too we can do that and teaching them those life skills like they they're gonna have to talk to a boss one day yeah like they're gonna have to talk to somebody that's in charge and their parents aren't gonna be able to handle it all the time so like teaching them those skills in like this low very low risk environment is Mm -hmm. like my big my big picture. Like I'm not here to win national championships. That's a bonus. Like if we can do that, <laughs> great. But like I'm raising young adults here. Right. Like I'm helping, you know, I'm a, I'm another spot where these kids are getting outside influence and they're learning respect and teamwork and dedication and motivation and all of these things that sports are designed to give them. And like communication is one of those those things that we have to learn as we grow up. So I, I'm excited to be a part of that as well. Again, like the opportunity and the challenge Mm -hmm. and like, just help me be a part of that, that skill building. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's just perfect. (laughs) What makes a season successful? Love that question so much. So I think preparation is a big one. And like, again, working backwards, you know, where you want to go, how do we get there? And then of course, you do that and it's perfect. And the whole thing blows up because people get sick, people drop, people add (laughs) the whole thing's a disaster all of the time. So then adaptability is definitely the next thing. And just being like, okay, this is what it is. This now we're adjusting. And like, you just can't get upset about it. I know that there's a lot of coaches that take that kind of personally. And it just, it's the way our sport is like, uh, maybe that'll change in the future as truly because we're popular and recognized and whatever. But right now that's the sport and it, there's just no reason to be stressing out about these things. Just it is what it is. We're going to have to make the plan anyway. So like, let's not get mad about it. Let's just solve the problem. Right. Absolutely. How do you motivate your athletes? There's a lot of ways that we do it. I think the thing we've been building on the most recently is kind of like games and rewards. So uh, they also they also do a really good job of they're starting to figure out that the harder they work at practice, the higher they score at competition. So they're starting to kind of see that natural correlation thing happening, which is great because they're learning to self-motivate. 
but we do we do a lot of games so we're doing like this pizza game right now where if they hit like they can earn this pizza slice if they do the thing on the pizza slice which is usually like fantastic facials through the routine and like everybody has to have a facial the whole routine to earn it and then when they get each pizza slice they win a pizza party so it's like a longer stretched out game where it's not immediate but it's this whole thing and the whole team has to be on board with it or it doesn't work Mm -hmm. so we do things like that we've uh, done like little like little challenge, like send home challenges. Like we did a holiday jump challenge workout. Um, so we send them home with like this coloring sheet of a jump workout. And then if they did it and they fill it out and they bring it back, then they got like an apparel reward. We also do like cheerleader of the week and cheerleader of the month. So athletes that are working hard or staying positive, encouraging their teammates, being leaders, like there's a lot of different ways to earn it. Then they they get to receive those rewards. So we really try to keep it a positive and encouraging team building type of reward system Mm -hmm. to keep them moving forward and wanting to do better. And it kind of, this is my, I'm a psychology major also. So like, I I love the whole dynamic of this, but it it teaches them to be encouraging to each other as well. It's not just about their success. It's, okay, my friend got cheerleader of the week. Like, I nominated her for that. Like, I'm so proud of her and like really making it this team experience. It's been so fun to watch them figure that out. I really like those ideas. The pizza party one sounds like one that I would want to implement. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's, it's been fantastic. And like, you can make it up, like whatever you're there struggling with, put it on a pizza slice and be like, all right, this is what we're doing today. Right. What is the best piece of advice that you've been given? Oh, this is another one of my favorite questions. It's not so much what the advice was as much as it was how it was presented to me. So when I was in college and I was in college chair, my cheer coach was in the military. She was army honor guard, I believe. And so she had all of the PT training and all of these things, but she was the sweetest woman you've probably ever met in your life. And we did this drill that they did in the military and it was hard. It was so hard. Your muscles hurt so bad. And I was standing in the back of the group while we were doing it. And I got really frustrated with my team. I'm like, you guys aren't doing it right. Like if you're going to halfway do it, then like, just don't do it. Like either go all the way or take a break, but stop halfway doing it. I was so frustrated. She didn't say anything to me. And then at the end of practice, we had gotten through other things. She called me over to her. And she like so positive and sweetly kind of like did like the sandwich compliment. Yeah. The criticism. She's like, I I don't even remember her exact wording, but something along along the lines of, PJ, I really love how passionate you are and like what a leader you are of this team. And I think something that we could work on is your tact and how you communicate your passion with your teammate. And it was just, it was so positive and bubbly and like, Hey, as a heads up, I noticed this and this is something we could work on. Yeah. And I like immediate was like, okay, yup. I let my emotions get to me. I overreacted. I did not have the same purpose that her purpose was for this. Like I overstepped and she showed me the respect and grace that I was not showing her when I did that. And like just being like talked to as as a like as a person, honestly, and just like, hey, you may have made a mistake here. 
there's way, this is the way that we can fix this. And like no hard feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think like that was really it for me. Like I'm a big, like, I don't like to disappoint people. So it was like no hard feelings. This is just what happened. And this is what's going to happen moving forward. Yeah. And I have no, like that moment forward, I had a complete shift in how I was a teammate and how I coach. Like I do not yell at my aunt. Like I'm a very loud very loud person. So if you're in my gym, it feels like I'm yelling at my athletes all the time. Yeah. But I stay as positive as I possibly can. I do everything I can to not yell at my athletes. And when I have to make corrections, I channel her as much as I can in that moment. Because again, like it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the advice it's itself. It was how she presented it and how it made me feel and mm-hmm. how that just was able to register in my brain easier yeah. than if she had come at me and been like, that's not how we talk to our teammates. That's not what we do here. So I definitely give her a lot of credit. It was such a turning point in my cheerleading career. Yeah. Well, I love that. It turned your career into what it is now, right? That positive coaching. Yeah. And I think absolutely this generation, especially thrives with the positivity, thrives with the positive coaching. And I think that that's a great lesson. Yeah, she was a huge influence on positive coaching for me, for sure. Calling all cheer coaches, podcast fans, and supporters. This podcast has merch. You heard that right. Don't know what to get your assistant as a gift for this season? Well, grab a cheer coach beanie. Want to stay cozy at practice? Rep the cheer coach sweatshirt. Not only do I sell merch on my website, I also have some awesome coaching resources for sale on there as well. Some of these items include jump drills, motion drills, tryout score sheets, and stunt progressions lists. Head over to marleysievers.com slash shop. That's M-A-R-L-E-Y. S-I-E-V-E-R-S dot com slash S-H-O-P or head over to the link in my show notes. What advice would you give someone who's just starting their coaching career? Don't take it personally. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like everything's so personal when you're a new coach. Like you always feel like you're not really doing good enough. Like if you're truly passionate about the sport, you feel like you're never doing good enough. And like you're not spending enough time with that athlete that isn't quite getting it. Or you always have that one that actually has a bad home life and they bring it into the gym and you don't see like the same energy from them that you get from the other kids. And it's not that they're not happy to be there. It's just that their home life isn't the best and they have to deal with all of that. Right. If you have other coaches, they're going to have other thoughts and opinions and like it's not an attack on you. Like they just have other thoughts and opinions. Mm-hmm. Same with administration and parents. Like some people are coming at you. That will happen. Like it just does. Those people, you do not have to listen to. You do not have to take it to heart if they're being attacking. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really just staying calm, letting it roll off, taking everything with a grain of salt. So the sport can be hard. It's hard to be a coach. And it's, we just don't need to make it harder on itself than it needs to be. You're a coach for a reason. Other people's opinions are only opinions and you can take what you want and leave the rest of it. Yeah. I think that's really valuable. I think that that's one I've been struggling to teach myself, you know, is to let things go and to, of course, not, like you said, not take things so personally. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, you're doing your best. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's, it's so hard to do that. <laughs> What lessons do you hope that former athletes received during their time in your program? Yeah, like I said, I think it's 
a lot of those life skills, like how to communicate, how to work as a team, kind of like working through fear, I think is a big one too. I, with all the mental blocks and things that happen and going out on to stage or to compete, or if you get stage fright, like finding ways to work with your emotions, to turn it into excitement or to do, be able to do it anyway, so that that fear doesn't become paralyzing. Like I said, working with your team, that self-motivation and I just, all of the life skills. I just want them to have all of the life skills and be <laughs> wonderfully well-adjusted yeah. adult people. <laughs> what has been your greatest achievement either as an athlete or as a coach? Uh, I think my greatest achievements, so I'll kind of do one of both. So I have like two moments that I'm like super proud of right now. My first one is definitely making the UW cheer team when I tried out. I worked for 18 months on that. It was the first thing I've ever re- like seen myself setting my mind to and dedicating myself to and achieving it. It was like the first time I'd ever set a goal. I'd gone after it and it had worked out for me. So that's probably just like my most proud life moment period to date. Mm-hmm. But as a coach, we hit mid-season this year and we like did an upgrade on our routines that fell on me. Like I upgraded the routines that we had, made sure we were maxing out the score sheet. We had like three weeks to teach this new routine and get the new stunts up to par and hit the competition floor. And one of my, actually two, two of my teams hit the floor with these new routines and these new stunts and they both won nationals bids. Wow. It was amazing because our gym is new. So we like had a gym turnover last year. So it's our first year as a gym. And we have two out of our three teams that won a nationals bid. So first year in the gym, a lot of them are really little. And we are now able to go to Florida in May off of the routines and the hard work we've put in. So I'm definitely proud of being a part of that one. That's awesome. What a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it was super fun to be a part of that reveal and see them all get excited. (laughs) So I'm not, just me in general, I'm not super familiar with all-star cheerleading. Like I was familiar with it because, you know, there were gyms in my area growing up, but never involved in it. Like why, why do you love it or what makes it special? How is it different from traditional school cheer? I, I think that's a really tough question um because there I mean there are so many different types of cheer now right like you have school and then just within the school if you have like elementary middle school high school is all different we have rec cheer and pop warner like there's so many things now Mm -hmm. I think to a degree I don't know if there's less of it but the politics are definitely different I think there's a lot more oversight with like administration in high school cheer Mm -hmm. whereas all-star you really just kind of have the director and the coaches like they're really kind of just running the show on their own Mm -hmm. and some schools are very fortunate to have really supportive administration and some do not and like the ones that do not have a lot of extra challenges ahead of them to deal with that and work through that yeah but I think and the other thing that really changes is the routine so the routine times are about the same Mm -hmm. but school has like the cheer aspect of it. Like they have that chant crowd engagement chant that happens either before, during, or after their cheer or their routine. Mm-hmm. Whereas all-star is just the performance. So it's just two and a half minutes of hitting all of the skills, high energy the whole time. I 
really think the biggest differences are really just kind of how they present. Like, All-Star is a lot more glitzy, glam, like I was talking about earlier, kind of more of the dark room, bright stage light situation, yeah. whereas <laughs> school is usually like in a high school gym uh-huh. and the lights stay on and you can see the crowd and those types of things. Right. But, and I, I also know that like the skills are different because of the way it's broken out. So all-star has limits. I think their levels like one through seven and you can only do certain skills in each level. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of high schools, it's a progression. So the harder skills you can do, the better you're going to score. Right. But you have like, you have limits in mm-hmm. all-star that you can only go up to a certain point. That makes sense. So they do have like different divisions and stuff when you go to like varsity competitions with like intermediate advanced. So I guess it'd be similar to to that with the limits. Yeah. How would you describe your team culture? In transition. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we're kind of, we're a new gym. It switched over. Um, the old gym was existed for like eight years, I believe. I came in at the tail end of it. And then one of our other co- coaches bought it out and she's the owner and director now. So a lot of the girls were in the old gym. We've had a couple from a different gym join us. So there's been some adjustments with the culture and who we want to be because we're in the same location. We have the same equipment. Like all of the stuff is the same, but the name and the ownership is different. Mm -hmm. So kind of like getting that transitioned over. But also I think there's a competitive culture that's starting to adjust. Like we're really going... We're aiming high and we're, but we're building low, if that makes sense. So we're starting really low at the basics to build our teams up, make them as strong as we possibly can. And like putting limits on who really can move up, Mm -hmm. who's really ready to move up. Because when you move up, you can't just like have the skills kind of like you need to be the top master of that level Mm -hmm. already, because that's, what's going to make us competitive. That's what's going to get us to win. So really adding that competitive component, but not making that the whole identity of our athletes and making it still be a positive, fun place to be encouraging. Like we're doing this as a group. We want like we're choosing competition because it's what we want to do, not because it's what the coaches are making us do. Mm -hmm. And so we're building that competition and also trying to build that community with our athletes so that they're not just teammates, but that they kind of become friends as well. And that they have each other to kind of rely on and hang out with and have their own little community culture in their own, in their own rights. Mm -hmm. You'd mentioned that you wanted to talk about proper stunt technique and safety. Why are you passionate about this and how are you instilling this in your programs? Yeah, I think stunt technique and the safety of it is something that is In transition, it's getting better in our industry right now, but still severely lacking. We've talked a little bit. We've kind of mentioned it that I own a company called Streamline Cheer. Mm -hmm. It's a cheerleading consulting company. And I started right after I started coaching again because I recognized that gap in education for coaches. Mm -hmm. And as I've been going through with my company, I talked to a lot of coaches whose story is yeah, I don't have any cheer experience. My daughter was on the high school cheer team. Their coach up and quit in the middle of the season. And I volunteered to step in. Mm-hmm. A lot of these coaches need concussion training and they need a first aid training. And that is it. 
Like there is no cheerleading education that is happening for a lot of coaches in our country. And that's a problem. <laughs> cheerleading is the last I checked, the second highest ranking concussion sport yeah. in the US. Like it's significant. And it's so important that we're training how to do it safely and then also how to do it correctly because that leads into the safety part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Tell the listeners a little bit more about Streamline Cheer and the services that you offer for coaches and athletes. Yeah. So like I said, Streamline Cheer is my company. I'm a cheerleading consultant. A lot of what I do is training and skill development for athletes. So I work with all types of programs across the cheerleading spectrum. I'm getting very familiar with all of the different rules, score sheets, all of those things to be as useful as I can to everybody. But a lot of it is like that base technique that's going to be the same for everybody. So I work with a lot with stunting, tumbling, and jumps getting all of those foundations set into place. So I do a lot of like camps and clinics. Mm -hmm. So we talk about safety. We talk about whose job is what. We talk about why our body is supposed to be in this position, not just, hey, you need your arms up. Well, this is why you need your arms up. And this is how your shoulders block through your skills. And this is why your coach tells you to have your tummy be tight and you're stunting. Like we go through all of the details of these things Mm -hmm. and to like really explain everything. I, we always walk through some advancement stuff. I always want to know where they're at. So when I come in, everything is private. It's fully customized. I come to my teams. It's one team at a time right now. And I set everything up so that their team is getting what they need. It's not like, hey, this is what I'm going to teach. And I hope you're up for that. I hope you're advanced enough or Mm -hmm. like, I hope you're not advanced enough for this nice middle thing. Nope. Not that. Like, what do you guys have? What are you working on? What are your goals? That's what we're working on. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get really detailed, specific attention for me to make that happen. And then you're going to get resources for me for the rest of the season to make sure that those goals are being met. I don't want to leave you hanging. Like camp is not a one and done thing. We are going to work through your season together Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be here to help you out in whatever capacity that you need. So right now, like I said, it's a lot of camps and clinics, skill building. And I do, I offer like program development for coaches as well. So if they're new to coaching, if they're getting their program set up, then I can walk you through all that, getting it set up, getting the budget, getting fundraising going, how to set up your systems Mm -hmm. and all of those good things for coaches also. Do you, is that just in Minnesota or do you offer like virtual things as well? Yeah. So it's a total mix. So I travel for camps and clinics. So I travel all over the country. I've been to like Texas and Pennsylvania and California and all of these places. So I go anywhere that somebody needs me. Mm -hmm. I also do a lot of things virtually. So I have like skill reviews. You can send in a video. I'll edit or I'll kind of like mark them up and voice over them, provide resources to help with skill adjustments. I And a lot of the program development stuff I'll do virtually as well. We have phone calls, Zooms. Mm-hmm. If you need me to come out for a day or two to talk through, then we can do that. And then I also have, I didn't mention this before, I have like skill guides that are specific. So I have eight right now, I think. So I like back handsprings, basing, jumps, things like that. So 
those are digital guides that people can get that are very specific to the skill that they're working on. Mm-hmm. It's drills and conditioning exercises that they can do at practice or even at home. They're really like low equipment. So athletes and coaches are able to use them like no matter what their equipment situation is and mm-hmm. then still be able to develop skills. So long answer short, it's a mix of both. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds like you have a lot of valuable resources for for coaches and athletes on there. Yeah, I really like that was really the goal is to get as much out there as I could so that people had the resources. And like, like I said, the company is still pretty new. We've only been in about two years. So it is just it's growing. There's lots of things coming down the pipeline. So I definitely recommend people, people follow along and see what's coming up next for them. That's so exciting. So you kind of talked about like, you've recognized a gap in the stunting technique and stuff. What, what else inspired you to start this business? That's such a great question. So my, my big girl job. So I went to college for psychology and criminal justice. Mm -hmm. I had this big plan to like go into the SBI and travel the country and like do all of these things. And I started out locally working in social services. And I did that for two years. That was my big girl job. It's the only quote unquote big girl job that I've had because Mm -hmm. I'm 27. I'm pretty fresh out of college. I started Streamline Cheer pretty quickly. And I realized I didn't, I didn't want to sit at a desk all day. I didn't want to be surrounded by the bad in the world that I had originally signed up for. And I just, I had a passion and I had a skill set and I wanted to go after that. And my my dad was actually a huge influence for me on this. He has a full-time job. He makes a lot of money in his full-time job. And he's like, I don't like my full-time job. And he like started a bar and he like Mm -hmm. makes, (laughs) he loves his bar. He renovated, he's been growing, Mm -hmm. he's about to franchise it. So like my dad's an entrepreneur and he's, he just like up and basically did it one day. And I'm like, do that too. (laughs) Like, why not? Why can't I do that too? So I just kind of like, jumped on board and just kind of went with my dream. And we kind of tested it out for a little bit to see if it's something that I would be able to do full time and to be able to make it a a life career for me. Mm-hmm. And that's the direction we're headed. So if it's working, we're going to keep going with it. That's so exciting. Like, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> well, thank you. It's been quite, quite a journey. <laughs> it's been I a bet. lot of fun. Well, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? I, with coming up and not having a, like exposure or the opportunity to cheer growing up and then having to kind of learn through these weird avenues and do the YouTube rabbit hole that I know so many coaches have been in. Like I've, I've done all that and I've taught myself all of it and as I've gone through it, there's just not enough information. There's not enough information and there's not enough opportunity. So like on both ends of that, there needs to be more opportunity for kids to enjoy this sport. It's such a positive sport that we have available and more kids need to be able to access it. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to access it safely from coaches who understand how to teach them in a safe in supportive environment. Mm-hmm. So it's like that twofold system of just supporting the coaches so that we can provide the opportunity to kids. I love that. Where can people connect with you? Yes. Yeah, so I have a business page on Facebook. 
It's all just streamlined here. I have an Instagram at streamlined here. I have a website, www.streamlinedhere.com. So check out all of the things. I have lots of fun things going on. My big thing this year is like free monthly challenges. So we did a free jump challenge last month. It's up on the website. You can still do it. And we're doing flexibility this month. And you will have to stay tuned for what's coming next month. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, TJ. It's been so much fun. Yes, thanks, Marley, for having me. It's been such a blast, and I hope everybody has a fantastic week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Life of a Cheerleading Coach. Visit the link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter, get access to our coaching community, The Cheer Closet, and links to resources that you can use for your team this season. Don't forget to follow The Life of a Cheerleading Coach on Instagram and Facebook, and be sure to click the listener support button on my anchor page love the show, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To be featured in the next episode, use the link in my show notes to leave me a voice message. Thanks again for listening and go make a difference.